Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. Our culture, if you haven't noticed, is constantly uh, in a, a, a tizzy over something. Um, is a tizzy an okay word? I think it is. Uh, our culture is always battling about something. You turn on the TV, there's always some kind of article and fight and argument. And um, With social media, it's absolutely insane because all of our initial impulses are now broadcast immediately. And as a result, there's really no week that goes by as a pastor where I couldn't just stop and point to the news and say, hey, here's how uh, things are falling apart. And um, this week is no different, and we have uh, brought up an, by politicians um, border and um, children dying at the border and people um, wanting to erect walls, other people saying we shouldn't do anything. We have people that are uh, coming up in photos of uh, racist um, examples from college years and uh, people talking about, hey, uh, we, can, we can go ahead and kill um, birthed children, um, infanticide. And all of this is just like in one week, and it can become overwhelming and just too much. And we are the people, Christians, are supposed to be the people of God's love. And how do you demonstrate God's love? How do you demonstrate Christ-like love in a world with competing interests and ideas and values and people shouting at each other and people that disagree with you, people that, that, that choose to live differently than you and maybe don't understand you, maybe that you're very comfortable in, in how you're going about things and following Scripture, but maybe others aren't as clear. And so there's always conflict all the time. How, how do we love in spite of that? And um, today, that's what I want to start with. For the next few weeks, we're going to look at the biblical picture of what love is and how to practice that. And I pray that, that by the end of even today, there's a, a few more tools in your toolkit that allow you to be able to love more like Jesus, um, love more like the Savior who loved you even while you were a sinner and a screw-up. He still offered salvation to you. And I pray that, uh, that would come top of mind for us is the fact that we're loved first. Um, our love for others is not going to come because we self-manufacture it, but because we actually reflect it. And um, it's, it's a ripple in a pond that just goes outward. But we first have to understand that we were loved in our brokenness, and that has to be the beginning. So we're going to see that in Scripture, and then we're going to go and take off from there. And I pray by the end, you're able to say, okay, I have a, a, a new framework, or I'm reminded of my framework about love, and I'm going to go love others uh, really well this week. I'm in First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. This week, as with every week on the Bible app, if you have uh, uversion.com or the Bible app on your phone, you'll be able to go down to the events tab, click there, open up to our location, find the notes for today. You can do that every week, and I encourage you to do so. You could even do it on your car on the way in, and that way when you get here, it's already preset. But anyhow, so we're in 1 John chapter 4. I want to read this first passage here as kind of, a, we're going to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to read this first passage as it kind of sets the framework, and then I'm going to get into giving you um, some points along the way. It says this, it says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits and see if they are from God. Now, you and I would look at that and we'd be like, okay, I'd love to. How do I know if it is from God or not? The scripture says, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you will know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. 
And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Little children. You see, the, the, the beloved, now we're little children. We're, we're in these, these loving, kind, uh, gentle, fatherly type words. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, them being the Antichrist, the people that are against what God wants. You have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than he is in the world. You know how this is usually given? Usually it's one of these coffee cup Christianity verses, right? Like you, hear, you see it on a t-shirt and people are like, yeah, he who's in me. And usually it's like this militant Christianity cockiness. He who is in you is greater than he's in the world. And like people pound, pound their chest and they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm strong because I'm Christian. And he who's in me is greater than he's in the world. And it's got nothing to do with that kind of an attitude. But people can sell it in bookstores. So it works. But look at what the actual context is. The actual context is that, hey, you test every spirit. The, one, the spirit that confess Christ are, is the one from God. The ones that don't, uh, or the ones that deny Christ, are the ones that are not from the Lord. Little children, you were from God, have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We're from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. But by this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So he's saying, hey, there's a lot of definitions out there. The biggest definition you have to ask yourself is, is this the definition of Jesus Christ or not? Is this the definition of Jesus? It says there's a lot of false prophets out there pushing lots of stuff, but is it about Jesus? And I'll tell you this, friends, I'll tell you this, that, that inside of, of well-meaning churches, there's false prophets that are just teaching hate for the sake of hate or for the sake of their own childhood upbringing. They haven't worked out their own daddy issues and they're up preaching in front of other people and they're not about Jesus. They're about their own. They're trying to find a verse here and there to line up with their own version of the world. And you don't want that. Like just, just regardless of if you're a visitor passing through here or whatever, can I just implore you? Seek Jesus. Seek Jesus in all things. Every sermon you ever hear, every preacher that ever tries to share, every podcast you download, every preacher you see on television, like just look for where is Jesus in this? Because it's Jesus who's your Savior. There's no pastor that's your Savior. There's no church that's your Savior. There's no uh, special super Christian that's going to be your Savior. You need to seek Jesus in it all. And so he's talking at the very beginning before he gets into love and what love is and how to discern love and how to give love, before he gets into all of that. He's like, you know how you can tell? Pretty easy. Seek Jesus. Seek Jesus. Who is Jesus? How does he operate? How did he care about people? How did he love? And when you can see that pattern in Jesus, because remember, Jesus is God in the flesh. That God stepped down from heaven, put on an earth suit, and he became Christ. Christ walked around God in the flesh. So watch what God in the flesh does. Watch what Jesus does. And that is your indication on how you can love other people. Now, once we do that, oh my goodness, it changes, doesn't it? Like we get away from the idea of, of, of legalism because Jesus was never about legalism. Jesus was straight up healing on the Sabbath day. Jesus was looking at people and saying, hey, you clean up real nice on the outside, but your heart is straight rotten. Like Jesus would just go up and, and bust up a really good religious party, wouldn't he? 
You know, the only people he, he got ticked off at, like when I read the Bible, the only people he lost his mind with are the ultra-religious, the people that were trying to use religion to put down or hurt or, or cheat other people. That's the people he lost his mind with. I say that facetiously. He didn't lose his mind, obviously, but he intentionally got upset with people that were trying to hurt others in the name of religion. And so you ask yourself, okay, before we get in very deeply, what's the basis? What's the test? What's the plumb line? The basis, the test, the plumb line is Jesus. Watching how Jesus moved through a crowd and he had compassion. It says he had compassion on the whole crowd. Do you know in that crowd there were sinners? And not just like a couple. Like in this crowd there are sinners. Like if Jesus got up here, he'd have compassion. He has compassion on me. Jesus looked at the, the ones that were least valuable in society, and he loved them. He demonstrated care. He looked at the, the woman that was caught in adultery, and he loved her. So if you want to know what the plumb line for love is, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And if your version of love or if my version of love strays from who Jesus was, we're the one that's wrong, not God. And so we got to look at the plumb line of Jesus, who he is, what he taught, how he thought, how he interacted with others. Jesus is the plumb line. And the, the, the key here for that first passage, it says, for he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. When you become a Christ follower, theologically, the scriptures teach us that the Holy Spirit of God takes up residency in your heart, that, that, that God himself takes up residency in your spirit. And from there, the conviction sets in to where it's like, hey, don't, Tolly, don't go down that road. You're like, that's going to end up sin. Or, hey, Tolly, you, 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 you really treated that person wrong. Hey, hey Tolly, um, that's not what the scripture says. Like, reread it again. That, that's not really, your, your interpretation is just messed up. And the Holy Spirit of God is available to you and present with you to walk with you through this life. And so that's what that passage means. He who is in you, in Jesus, the Spirit of God, is greater than he is in the world, meaning Satan. Satan's defined in the scriptures as the prince of the power of the air meaning he has all the domain and the rule over this earth. That's why you look around and you're just like, man, this is really jacked up if God loves the whole world, but the place is really jacked up around here. Well, it, the idea is that, well, because right now, he's the prince, of the, uh, prince of the power of the air, Satan, has control over a lot of things. And so before we even get very far into love, you have to understand the, the plumb line is Jesus. Now let's go. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. Can you say that with me? God is love. Say it again. God is love. God, God's not, love is not an attribute of God. Love is not a bumper sticker you slap on God. Love is not one part of, God is the definition of love. Meaning when, when, when God um, ha raises a standard, when God has sets the bar, then that's what love is. You say, well, how do I know what love is? What? That was an old 70s song, is it? I want to know what love is, and I want you to show me. So, uh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. No, no. But like, we, we want to know what love is. Well, the scripture says, hey, you know what? You want to know what love is? Get to know God. Because if you get to know who God is, you're getting to know love. But most of us, we, we want to create and manufacture what love is, and we're denying, we're separating it from God. As if we can have love apart from God, we can't. God is love. 
And so the, the, the whole picture, the theological framework here is that God is love. Love takes up residency in your heart. You and I, apart from God, cannot push out love. We cannot manufacture or create it. What we can do is we can have a photocopy. We, we can see off in a distance how somebody else is doing something, and then we can try to copy it or emulate it, but that's not true love. True love is when we're passing God around. True love is when we're saying, you know what? I'm going to love you the way that Christ loved me. I'm going to care for you the way that God cared for me. True love is duplicating God's love for you because God is love. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest or made real, made visible among us that God sent his only son into the world. How did God show you that he loves you? How did God make his love manifest? He sent his son into the world so that, why did he do that? Look at this. So that we might live what? Through him. So God said, hey, how I'm going to demonstrate love to Tali is I'm going to send my son Jesus into the world, and Jesus is going to live and move and breathe and have his function all in the world. And, and, and what I want Tali to do is not try to just mimic from a distance. What I want Tali to do is live through Jesus. And I'm going to let Jesus' Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, take up residency in Tali. And so when Tali loves well, Tolly's not going to be loving well because of things he's observed and seen. Tolly's going to be loving well because Jesus inside of him gets to rule and to reign. When we love, we live through him. When we love, we live through Jesus. So what that means is that each day I get up and I'm like, you know what, Lord? Today on my own, in my flesh, here's what I'm bound to do. I am bound to be selfish today. Any other takers? Is there anybody that would admit, yeah, I'd probably be selfish. If it was just up to me, I just want me, right? We would. The rest of you are liars. So we would be selfish. We don't wake up altruistic. You don't wake up saying, gee, I hope people interrupt my schedule. Gee, I hope I don't get very much sleep. Gee, I hope the kids bang on the door one more time when I'm just in the bathroom trying to take a... So we don't... We're not altruistic, we're not, we're not altruistic. Some of you decided never to come back to the church. It's like, this guy, this guy. Just... But here's the thing. Like, we're not, we, we, we on ourselves, we would live through ourselves, and we would live through our wants, and we live through our desires, and we'd live through me, 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 me. That's how we would live. And so the scriptures say, no, no, no. If you want to love, this is love that God made it manifest in us, that God sent his only son into the world so that, why did he send Jesus? So that we might live through him. When we're loving, we're living through him, through Jesus. In this is love. It goes on, verse 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God. This is what I find so amazingly arrogant and stupid from people. Love is not that you would love God back. And, and, and one of the challenges for us that we've got to swallow, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow. We, we, people are like, hey, are you a Christian? Yeah, I accepted Jesus into my heart. What do you mean you accepted? And that's bad theology coming from the pulpits is part of the problem. But it gets into you, and then you, you start to not even think about it, but you're like, yeah, I accepted God. Who are you? <laughs> like, like, really? Like, that's your view of, of religion or faith or theology is like, I, I guess. It's like, but you, don't, you, don't, you don't just accept in that way. You accept more like a humble posture, like an incredible gift has been given. You open it. 
You receive it, yes. But this idea of I accept, it's I'm not in a position. Do you understand God's love for me? I'm not in a position. God's love for me says that I have so violated the law of God that what is owed to me is separation from holiness. Because God's holy, God's perfect, God's pure, God's righteous. What is owed to me is to be separated from holiness. But what is offered to me, what is given to me, is righteousness through Christ. Not of myself, not of my flesh. And so as a result, it's not I accept Christ. It's, oh dear God, I receive your love for me. I understand my own sinful flesh. I understand my brokenness and my weakness. I I get how I don't measure up. And it's in not measuring up that I'm so thankful for a God who is not asking me to measure up. Some of us, we can't fully understand Christianity and Christ's love because we're still believing it's somehow about us measuring up. But when we receive Christ, it's no, 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 it's the opposite. It's because I'm way down here and I say, God, I I don't even, like Peter in Luke chapter 5, Jesus comes and he meets Peter and he's like, hey, you know, you're on my team. And Peter's just like, oh, Lord, get away from me. I'm not even worth being in your presence. Or like Isaiah, Isaiah says, oh my goodness, when I've seen the Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. So this idea, part of the reason that we can't love well is because our love is coming from our pride. And really true love, genuine love comes from humility. True love comes from humility because humility says, I'm not better than you. I'm not better than you, or you, or you, or you. I'm not better than you. And therefore, my love is not something that you have to earn from me. My love is a byproduct of the fact that I was broken before God and he loved me so. I'm just passing along what he gave to me. Arrogant love, prideful love, boasting love says, I've got a standard and I'll see if I'll accept you. And it's this kind of proud love that's destroying the world around us. It's this kind of love where people have their arms crossed and they're trying to figure you out and they're going to get to know you for a while and kick the tires and decide what they think about you before they'll open up and give love. Biblical love is my hands, my posture is like this already. Why? Because I don't deserve God's love. And so if I meet you, you're a Mago Dea. You're, you're in the image of God. So who am I to hold back love from you? I have to do my best to just live through Jesus. And when I live through him, he gave love to everybody, right? He gave love to the sinner and the saint. So we go on. It says, in this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, and he sent us to be the propitiation for our sins. My favorite word in the Bible. <laughs> Beloved, if God so loved us. Everybody say so. If God so loved us, it means, it means like that. If that's the way, if that's the habit, if that's the pattern, if that's how God loved you, if that's how God loved me, beloved, if God so loved us, what does it say? We also, everybody say also. We have so, if this is how he did it, we also, right? We also should do it. If God, this is how God loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
No one has ever seen God. Look at this. This is so beautiful. You got to understand it from a theological perspective. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, though, check it out. What is it? God abides in us and his love is perfected. The word perfected means complete, finished. His love gets completed in us when we love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Do you know when God's love poured on you gets perfected? You got to see it. Do you know when it's perfected? It's not perfected when it gets to you. I know you, I know you think it is because I know you and I, we can be that way, right? We can be like, God, good for you to pick me. No, that's not when his love is perfected, church. His love is perfected when it leaves me and it falls to you. Then the cycle is complete. He does not give you love to be a spiritual cul-de-sac. That is not why God loves you. I know you think you're all that in a bag of chips. I know. But that's not why he loves you. He doesn't love you to be a dead end. He loves you to be a vessel. He loves you to be a superhighway. He loves you so you'll love others. And love in you is perfected when God's love comes through you and you give away that love to someone else. Amen. So when we love, not only do we live through him, but look at this. When we love, he lives what? Through us. So true love does not generate from Tolly Wilgus. It doesn't. In the flesh, Tolly would be about Tolly. True love is when Tolly receives the generous outpouring of the Spirit of God, and then Tolly repackages and repurposes and gives to someone else. That's when love is made perfect in me. Do you get it? This is why some people are like, well, I come to church, and I just, I serve, and I do this, and I do, but, but if you're not passing along love, if you're not actively loving other people, that love is being spilled out on your life. And it, it's just, you're not, it's like you're not even mopping it up. You're not soaking it up. You're not bringing it in. Why? Because you're not pouring it out. And so to be able to fully bring it in and, and have it perfected in you, to have God's love fully perfected in you is not to sit there and just say, ah, no, it's to say, Lord, as you love me, I love others. This is why when you're able-bodied and you serve others, there's something that wells up in you that just says, man, that felt good. Or when God gives you a little bit extra and you're able to pay for someone to do something or you're able to buy a coat for somebody or you're able to pick up a meal for somebody else. And when you, that feeling of being at a register and being able to say, no, I got this. That feeling is love perfected because God, you have provided resource to me so much that my needs are met and I'm able to bless this other person. That's love overflowing. So many people never get it because love cannot be perfected in a person that's selfish. Love cannot be perfected in greed. Love cannot be perfected in the arrogant or the pride or the rude. Love is only perfected when it passes through. Not when it comes to. Some of us are so busy and so focused on what we're getting out of it that we're forgetting that, that the best getting I can have is the giving. When I love someone else, that's when God's love in me is made perfected. Verse 13, 
By this, we know that we abide in him. Do you see that? So, so God loved us this way, meaning he chased you down. He found you when you're broken. He lit up the darkness inside. He gave you purpose. He gave you love. And so, so God loves us that way. Also, we should love that way. We should love not expecting to get. We should love out of overflow, not out of greed. We should love that way. And it says, by this, we know that we abide in him. How do I, how do I know that, that, that God and I are good. I mean, if, if you're like most people, that, that can be kind of a moving target. You can feel good some days and you can feel off some days and, and I see your head's nodding. Like, you, you, it's like, man, where's that moving target? By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God God abides in him, and what? He in God. So, one way you can tell how your relationship with God is doing is through how generous you've been. This isn't me making stuff up. This is me trying to help you. But one way you could tell kind of how things are going is just, am I letting Christ live through me? And am I living through Christ? Am I being generous the way that God has been generous to me? And you say, well, pastor, I'm just, man, I'm good for people that got money, but things are tough for me. Or good for people that got extra. I just, I don't have any extra. And we just say all this. And then one of the big reasons that we're in East Baltimore and Dundalk, and one of the big reasons that we have our mission in Kenya, one of the big reasons people have asked me, like, why as a young church and as a newer church and as a smaller, why did you ever get involved in all those things? Because I never wanted us to get off a mission. I never wanted us to sit on our rear and just say, oh, so we'd love to help one day. No, we help from day one, not one day. Because when you go over to Kenya and, and you realize that like you're doing well if you make $2 a day, it changes your perspective. And what we need in love is a change of perspective. That's what we need with love. By this, we know we abide in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. We start to do what he does. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Verse 16. So we have come to know and believe. Everybody say know and believe. We've come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him or her. Question, are you resting in the knowledge and belief of God's love for you? The knowledge, you have to know and believe something. You have to know and believe that Christ was sent to demonstrate God's love for your soul. And the only way you know that and believe that is by knowing and trusting and receiving the free gift of God's love, Jesus. That's it. It's not through an organized religion. It's not through a pope. It's not through a priest. It's not through the pastor. It's not. It's through Jesus. 
that I'm a sinner. I cannot make it to heaven through my own good works. But Jesus is God in the flesh. He lived a perfect life, and he died on Calvary's cross about 2,000 years ago. And when he did, he took away all of the sins of the world for everyone who would trust in his finished work, not in themselves, but in Jesus. And he removed all of them, that sin so that God the Father, when he looks at you, no longer sees you in your sin, but sees you in your righteous glory. So that you can have boldness and confidence when you come to the throne of God's grace. That is knowing and believing in Jesus for your salvation. But not only for your salvation. Do you know and believe that you are loved by God? And you know what it says? It uses this word abiding. Do you know what that word abiding could be translated? Resting. Just, 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 just breathing in, breathing out. When you plop down onto that chair you're sitting in, the leather chair, the little recliner, you're abiding in it. Do you feel how hard it is to abide? Like who's, who's under so much stress? Like, oh dear Lord, <laughs> I don't know if I could sit in a cushy leather chair very much longer. <laughs> like, abiding is rest. Abiding it is not work or effort. But how do you abide in love? It's when you live and you move and you have your being in love. That it becomes a peaceful dance between you, the Holy Spirit, and the people of this world around you. You're not anxious looking for ways to not love anymore. That's not your motive. Your motive is just like, I, I love you anyway. And you're like, but you just met me. Call me crazy. Here's my number. So here's the thing. You, you just love people around you simply because they're made in the image of God. There's no work to it. Because why? I'm not looking to screen you first. I'm just, I'm loving because Christ loved me. And in order for me to do that, I got to realize that I'm really, really, really loved. Because otherwise, how can I give you something I haven't experienced? So the only real way for me to love well is to be Loved well. Lastly, by this, is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment? Because as he is, so are we in this world. Look at that. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Back to the beginning of this chapter, right? How do I have a definition of love if it doesn't involve Jesus? I don't. I have a, a fax machine version. I have a fake copy. I have a off at a distance, squinting into the sun picture of what it might look like. But I don't have the real thing. But when I have Jesus... When I understand that I'm in a posture of receiving his love and his love overwhelms me and I don't really deserve it, 
then I can turn around and love you easily in rest, in abiding, because I'm living and having my life through Jesus, not in myself. It's not coming out of the, the core of whoever, how great tall he is. It's coming because I've received an amazing, abiding, loving grace from God, and I'm just freely giving that away. I'm just a conduit to what God wants to do in your life. Do you see? That's abiding. That's resting. I'm not loving from having to come up with it and manufacture it. And by the way, if it's hard, that's a good evidence that it might not be love. If it's, if it's hard for me to be nice to you, I might not be truly loving in that moment. I might be feeling forced, right? Like we have laws against that. People that are forced to stay and love, you will love me. It's like, it's like no. You shouldn't feel forced to do this. Like, it should be just like you're receiving God's grace and you're just giving it out. And you're just like, listen, the more that I, I understand God's love for me, the easier it is for me to give love to you. But if it's hard for me to give love to you, there's a good indication that I'm not living through him and he's not living through me. Do we understand? It's got to come down and be sent out. And my job, guess what my job is in, in the love process? My job is abiding. You're abiding in these chairs. Rest. Pass through income. Comes from someplace else, sending it back out. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. You must love. You must love. You must love. No, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And how did we see love was perfected? It's when love goes back out. If you're loving because of just the consequences of if you don't love that person, you don't really get love in that moment. Maybe you're passing. Maybe you're giving them a few bucks. Maybe you're being nice. Maybe you're being fake at a dinner. But you don't love. Love's not work. Love becomes effortless because we just get out of the way and say, Jesus, you loved me while I was a sinner. And the people around me are sinners too. And who am I to say they don't deserve your love? The only reason I would say that is if I believed somehow I was more worthy than the next person to receive the love of God. So because I'm not more worthy, because I'm not more owed your love, people around me are going to receive your love because they're made in your image too, and they've got their own hang-ups, and their hang-ups may be different than mine, but I'm going to love them anyway. Look what it says in verse 19. We love, what does it say? Can we read that together? We love because he first loved us. Say that one more time. We love because he first loved us. That's why we're loving. That's why we care. Loving others is the only right response to being loved by a holy God. Loving others is the only right response to being loved by a holy God. When you understand that God loves you, then you just become a conduit to his love for others. It's not something you're having to, to generate or, or bring about on your own will or effort. It's you just simply saying, Lord, I will love people around me because you've loved me so. And I'm going to get out of the way, and I'm going to live through Jesus. I'm going to let Jesus live through me. I'm going to acknowledge the fact that I'm 
relentlessly pursued by God, and his love for me is amazing. And because of that, I don't have to put a litmus test on everyone around me whether or not they receive my love. I'm just going to love anyway. How about this week? You just put that, some, that somewhere. Love anyway. Make that your motto for the week. Make that your motto for life. Love anyway. Well, but they believe differently. Than, well, love anyway. Yeah, but they, they're, they're, you know, LGBT. Love anyway. Well, they, they, they had an abortion. Love anyway. Well, but they're having sex outside of marriage. Love anyway. Well, I, I seen the way she looked at me. Love anyway. They took my seat in small group. That was my seat. They know that was my seat. Sit there every time. Love anyway. Love anyway. This life is too hard without you adding to the burden that you carry every day. Life's too hard. You've been wounded too much. You've been through the ringer too often. People are too mean. Why add to it? Love anyway. They don't need to agree with you. They don't need to be like you. They don't, we don't want 7.4 billion versions of me. I promise. We don't. Love anyway. You be you. You do you. The only one that you need to, to, to look to is Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And you get to know Jesus, and you get a hold of Jesus, and you let him live through you. And the scripture says that love is perfected in you when you do that. And perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love is not effort or work or labor. Perfect love is rest and abiding in Jesus. Love anyway. Amen? Let's pray.